Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here and welcome to my Show Me the Science podcast. Now, this is a topic close to all our hearts and our heads. There's a joke for you. The science of hair. Now, I can hear people wondering, what the hell is he talking about hair for? But it turns out hair is extremely important and it's something that we're all very familiar with. And it's relevant for all kinds of reasons. And there are many scientists who work on hair. Uh, for all, as you'll see in a few minutes, they can tell us all kinds of things about our health. Uh, of course, we're all fascinated by baldness. Well, I mentioned no and then I won't. Um, baldness is a thing for men and women. It can be quite serious. And I'm going to go into that a little bit as well and how there's new approaches to baldness, which, which I think could be very important indeed. Um, and also the whole business of why we have it and what it does. Now, if you're a biochemist, as was my original training, it's a fascinating thing. What's it made of biochemically? You know, how does it grow? Lots of work has gone into, as well as the biochemistry of hair. And what's interesting is it's, it's kind of... Um, a marker of a mammal in a way, because not many creatures have hair, but mammals have hair, and it kind of it's one of the defining features of being a mammal is to is to have hair. And then the question is, why do mammals have hair and other animals not? The other thing is because it's a very important part of our image, our, our sense of worth. Can you know, hair? We got our hair cut for a specific reason. You know, the whole grooming thing uh, is important to us, and going grey. See, each of these could be a separate topic, but uh, what happens when you go grey? And some people don't like going grey, do they? And can you stop that happening and so on and why it happens? So lots of different little subtopics uh, under the science of hair. And I'm going to go through them uh, one by one in a way again, the various ones that have interested me. First of all, it can tell an awful lot about your personality, your hairstyle. So so sort of it's interesting in that regard. And of course, you might be like a big fan of heavy metal. I bet your hair reflects that. Uh, maybe long hair if you're a heavy metal fan for instance uh, the punks were inclined to be skinheads or have very tight haircuts for instance you know. and the Beatles dare I mention them that very strange mop top haircut which was really radical at the time you know. so hair is an, an important cultural signifier is the way to think of it and of course different cultures some have very long hair some don't and it, it's culturally very interesting why these different styles exist another thing I came across is why, why was there this huge fashion in the 17th and 18th century for these massive wigs they look stupid now these men wearing huge big wigs don't they and yet that became a signifier of wealth for instance so the first thing that's interesting is it's a marker of I guess culture and fashion and various things like that the second thing I want to talk about though and this is sort of um. Uh, the thing that uh, I came across that triggered this topic in a way. You can take someone's hair and you can tell their diet. You can tell a lot about their diet on the com- composition of the hair. You can tell if they smoke because you will find chemicals in the hair that have come from the smoking. You can tell if they've taken drugs and that can be serious because sometimes hair is taken to prove someone is off drugs. And very often a court will say, look, this person must stop taking drugs, otherwise they might end up in jail. Or there are cases where, you know, good parenting means don't be taking drugs and you can measure drug drug use in hair. So the science of taking hair and measuring whether there's certain chemicals in the hair is a very important area, you see. And and, and again you can measure all kinds of things in your hair. Your lifestyle actually is reflected in the chemicals in your hair based on the various habits you might have and the diet you might have. So that's another sort of scientific part of this. And it can be extremely sensitive. So for example, if someone does take a drug, that will come out in the hair. And, and it's more stable in the hair, it can be detected there weeks after you've taken the drug. Uh, usually drug tests involve urine 
or blood, but they're much more transient. It goes away, you know. Whereas the stuff, hair takes a long time to grow, so you'll see a little signature in the hair, and that can be important forensically and for all kinds of reasons. Now, what is hair made of? And as I say, as a biochemist, this is, is a fascinating thing. Well, it's made of proteins, uh, a very important protein, collagen, goes into the hair. These things called filaments are there as well and you can see the structure of hair in various ways down a microscope uh, the hair follicles are the part of the scalp say where the hair grows out of that follicle and these proteins like collagen and keratin is a very important component protein as well it goes into the hair and, and it's made up of mainly of keratin and collagen fibres and then it grows and grows and takes time to grow clearly you know and what's very interesting as well is the type of hair you get if you've got very straight hair and you take a cross-section through the hair, it's inclined to be round, right? So if I take a section and use a microscope, the roundy hair gives rise to straight hair. If it's oval, it makes your hair curly. So we now know the basis for why some people have a curl in their hair is the shape of the hair. Now, what determines that isn't that clear, must be said. But still, the the um, the follicles that push out the hair are, pushing, are extruding, if you will, a different shaped hair, and that gives rise to straight or curly hair. What about hair colour? Well, melanin is the biochemical that gives your hair colour. So if it's eumelanin, that type of melanin, it's a pigment, your hair is going to be brown or black. If it's pheomelanin, P-H-E-O, it's red. Anybody listening in who's red-headed, you've got pheomelanin in your hair. If you're blonde, you've very little melanin. And now the hair appears as a blonde colour. And again, that's a fascination why, say, Scandinavians, there's more blondes. Red-headed people, there are inclined to be more in Irish Celtic people are inclined to be, have slightly more pheomelanin. Why this is, we don't know. It could be sexual selection. For some reason, in, in, in Scandinavian countries, the blonde look was seen as more attractive. And the genetics of this then persists because, you know, in, in terms of how these things get selected out, you see more blondes. But it's still not fully clear why that is. It could be tied into vitamin D, of course, as well. And, and vitamin D is all about, you know, sunlight and maybe the blonde, less melanin in the skin is reflected in the hair as well. So there's various sort of people examining why you see different, you know, hair colours in different cultures. But that, that's the basis for the colour of the hair. So there you have it if you're a biochemist again. It's made of keratin, collagen and these pigments and that governs the colour of the hair. What about when your hair goes grey? And this has happened to me over the years. We all go grey eventually, nothing to, be, nothing to worry about, nothing to be ashamed of. Um, I won't mention people who dye their hair, that's fine of course, but still. Uh, grey hair, what's causing the hair to go grey? Well first of all you make less of the melanin, but secondly, and this was discovered about three years ago actually, you're inclined to make a natural form of bleach in the hair follicle and that begins to bleach out the melanin you're making hydrogen peroxide so can you believe it now if you, if you want to make your hair ble bleach blonde you can use bleach to, to get rid of the colour of your hair of course that occurs naturally in the body you make your own bleach and that removes the colour why would that be we've no idea it's obviously a sign of ageing that's the first thing and maybe it sends a signal out that you're very wise that's why I've gone grey. I'm extremely wise. Um, it means you're an elder of the community. Maybe that's one reason why we go grey. Uh, but it's not really known why. It could just be a random thing. That your body makes more bleach as you age for whatever reason. And therefore you, you begin to go grey. But greyness is a big thing and some people do worry about it. And, and you can use dyes if that's your thing. That's fine. Of course, to dye your hair as well. Now, what is the function of hair? We are relentless in this topic. We don't really know, again, it's a bit of a mystery, but there's no doubt there's good evidence it keeps you warm. 
And one reason you have hair on your head then is to stop your head getting too cold, which can be a bad thing. Right? So it'll trap air and the air warms up. And like animals with fur, of course, very dense hair. That's essential for like polar bears because they live in a very cold climate. Their hair is trapping the air and that keeps them warm. Us humans, we're not very hairy unless you're Owen. Uh, but still, if you're hairy, maybe that's a good thing to trap air. I don't know. Certainly on your head, it seems to be important. But then men who go bald, you know, it's not as if they're threatened by that baldness. Uh, we do know you get a thing called piloerection, which means your hair stands up in the cold and that's going to trap more air. So one reason is to thermal regulation to keep yourself warm very clearly. Another one that's, that's very interesting, I think, is camouflage. Now, we don't have that as, as humans, but other mammals, they will change the colour of their hair to provide camouflage. The zebra, that black and white is different melanin or not in the, in the hair there. And the reason why they think zebras have that pigment uh, alteration is if a lion jumps, the stripes make it appear that the zebra is further away and the lion misses. So it evolves as a way to avoid capture by predators. And camouflage, of course, is all about that really. It's to hide yourself away. So, so again, different pigments in different animals then are determining camouflage, I guess, which is very important for those species. It's not that important for us because we don't seem to need to camouflage ourselves too much. So there's all, that's the biology of hair, if you will. Now, the medical side of this is hair loss can be very serious. There's alopecia in the male. And it also happens in females, and it can be very, very disturbing. And um, in females in particular, it's probably an autoimmune situation. Alopecia areta is what it's called. And it can be very disturbing for people, of course. And there's a lot of work is going into trying to stop hair loss for men and women, you know. And there's various ways to do this, as I'd explain. Uh, on average, you have 100,000 to 150,000 strands of hair on your head. Uh, you lose 100 every day anyway. So most people eventually end up going, they have hair loss. And some it's more fast, of course, than others. Then they need to be replaced. Some replace it a lot. Asian countries actually rarely go bald. They can replace this hair loss, you see. But for some reason, baldness is a feature of certain, uh, I guess, ethnic groups, you might say, you see. And it can be very disturbing. Now, can it be treated? Well, it can. And um, there's various treatments for baldness. One is the famous comb over. I can't resist mentioning that. Uh, doesn't look great, does it? But still, some people will comb over. Wigs are an option. No harm in having a wig if, you're, if, you, if you've gone bald, say whatever it might be, that's fine. But there are drugs as well. There's minoxidil and finasteride. And finasteride is interesting. It was developed as a treatment for prostate cancer because it can target androgens which are hormones that can be part of prostate cancer, but androgens are also tied into baldness. And what they noticed was you can have an anti-androgen effect and strangely, on the trial for prostate cancer, the hair grew more. And this became a treatment for male pattern baldness. And you can take finasteride now and it'll slow down the, the baldness response. The trouble is it has side effects. Uh, it can de decrease libido, which isn't ideal, obviously enough for many men. Um, and it can also cause breast growth and things. So these things aren't necessarily a solution, but still they can be useful in certain situations. And minoxidil is the other one. That seems to protect the follicles in some way. I don't quite know how that one works. But still these are used, you know, as ways to treat baldness. In the case of uh, alopecia areta, Again, it's an immune response that's destroying the hair follicles and some of the newer developments there are to block this autoimmune disease that's destroying the cells that make hair in, 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 say in a woman's body and on her head and that can be very important. So again, there's probably going to be advances there 
to, to stop on a PC arrest, which would be a great thing for people who are going bald too young, which, as I say, can be very disturbing. So a bit, a bit of progress there on the science front. I predict, actually, that alopecia areta will be treated with some of these um, immunomodulatory approaches, which, of course, is my own area. And, in fact, I know several drug companies are going after this as a way to stop the female and male baldness as well. And the last thing I want to mention, second last, is a protein called hedgehog. Now... Hedgehogs have a special type of hair that defends them. And there's another function of hair, to be honest. Those spikes are made from hair, you see. But guess what? There's a protein called hedgehog in everybody's body. It seems to control hair growth in all mammals. And there's a protein related to hedgehog called SCUB3, S-C-U-B-E-3, that was discovered. And it turns out that different versions of that can predict baldness. So if you carry the wrong form of SCUB3, if you like, you're more likely to have male pattern baldness. Now you can see where I'm going with that. If you block Scoob 3, you'll stop men going bald. And again, that could be a very useful thing. So Scoob 3 is the latest, there's a bit of recent science for you, related to a thing called Hedgehog, which can actually, if it's targeted, could potentially stop alopecia. And again, you know, I guess overall then we're going to see advances in, in treating baldness and slowing down the baldness response, which some people will want. Lastly, and I like this one as well, came across this very recently as well. There's a herbal thing, right? Sounds unlikely. Rosemary. Rosemary can stop baldness. Now, there's a very strange thing, right? And in particular, uh, they were able to make extracts from rosemary. Now, again, I looked at this closely to make sure it wasn't nonsense. But you can make a thing called rosemary hair water, rub it into your scalp, and it was able to slow down baldness. And in 2015, they compared it to minidoxal, one of the drugs I mentioned, minoxidil rather, and it was just as good. So there's something in rosemary, strangely, that seems to slow down baldness. So you never know. If, if you're worried then, get a bit of rosemary out off the shelf, rub it into your scalp. And you never know, it might actually stop you going bald. Maybe that's an overreach here. But certainly, it's an example of research where they're trying to find out now what is that active ingredient in rosemary that could be useful to prevent baldness. And that could be another advance, I guess. So there you have it, the science of hair and all those different aspects. And, and for me, as I say, as a biologist, hair is a fascination anyway. And now in terms of things like alopecia, it could be very important. And then the other thing to mention while I'm at it is obviously chemo can drive baldness. Could, if you could stop that, that'd be very useful. So there's serious sides to, uh, to this as well as the other things in terms of, you know, going grey and going bald and so on. That can be very serious medical aspects as well. So there you have it, the science of hair. Hope you enjoy that one. And for heaven's sake, now go and look in the mirror and just celebrate whether you're bald or you have a full head of hair. It's all fine. Let's face it, you know, don't be worrying too much about these things. So thanks very much for listening and I hope you enjoyed that one. And remember, my podcast is available every Thursday for download and it's a News Talk production.